Welcome to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today, we're going to discuss some of the worst advice that dog owners have given or received. Have you ever received bad dog advice? I mean, I think we all have. So let's dive right in and chat about it. And the seas are getting rough, and it is getting harder. So today we are going to be discussing the worst advice received by dog owners. And I do have to give a Reddit shout out because this episode was definitely inspired by a post that we saw on Reddit that asked, what's the worst advice you've received as a dog owner? And there were some really dynamite answers in here. But then I think we've also all received really bad dog advice. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll share some of the worst advice out there with you. But really, in a space that has a lack of research, there tends to be a lot of misinformation and poor advice that floats around the community. So let's unpack it. Mackenzie, what is the first piece of really bad advice people give dog owners? Well, this one is semi-depressing. Um, really? it- <laughs> this is the most upvoted one on the Reddit post, which was really sad. It is. Um, using physical force or violence to punish your dog or teach them things. Wow. Well, um, nope. <laughs> yeah, animal, nope. Animal abuse is not okay under any circumstance. So It's also illegal. <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, there is no circumstance where hitting or hurting your dog is acceptable. Um at all. Also, dogs don't understand it. Their brains can't comprehend violence. Well, and you think about like, even just as like a human, if like, if you were to do something wrong, and if somebody were to, you know, use physical force or violence to deter you to not to do that, like, sure, maybe you're not going to do that thing again, but you're going to do that out of fear. Not because you have developed a respectful relationship with this person, which is really what our relationship with our dogs should be based around, is around this idea of respect. You want your dog to respect you. And obviously, if you do this, you're going to immensely break down the trust in the relationship with your dog. Again, physical violence is never okay. Um, One person on Reddit did share this terrible advice they received. Quote, unquote, I didn't want my dog to leave the farm. I needed to take her to the property line and beat her a few times. Like, what? That's that's like some really bad old school. I think that's where a lot of this these, like, sentiments come from. And I think this will come up a couple of times of these, like, weird old school mentalities surrounding dogs. And this, I think, will, will be a really good transition into the next one. But just these 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 very weird sentiments of ways that we should manage our relationship with our dog, and and this is definitely one of those. So, using physical force or violence against your dog under any circumstances is not okay. 
Um, and if you know anybody that does this, you can report them to the Humane Society because there are laws and regulations in place to keep animals safe. Let's keep our dogs safe, shall we? Right. All right. Let's go on to the next one. This is another one that I think you we maybe would have heard from like our parents or our grandparents. So, Ken's, why don't you tell us what it is? Yeah, this one really grinds my gears. <laughs> Rubbing your dog's nose in their poop or pee after an accident will teach them that it is wrong. Where did this come from? This is one of those things that somebody said like one time and then somebody repeated it and then somebody repeated it and then somebody repeated it and then all of a sudden it became a thing because obviously this was never based on any sort of data or actual information. No, I th- I agree. I think it's just, you know, the old school way of trying to correct something Um which is funny because this again instills fear um, and punishment into your dog. So then they will go hide in a corner and do the same thing because they are afraid of you. I really don't think any of us want our dogs to be afraid of us. That is not okay. Um, What you should do is, and I have a lot (laughs) because I have two dogs that do use pee pads inside. I have a lot of experience doing this. Um, You interrupt the behavior immediately. If they are in mid squat, give a clap. Yeah. Give a clap, bang a wall, make a loud noise to kind of jolt the dog to be like, Whoa, what is happening? And if they stop, you pick them up, you immediately put them where they should be pottying, i.e. outside or on a pee pad or wherever, And then they will continue and then you reward. You never, ever punish after the act has been done because they don't understand. No, they have no understanding. So if you can't redirect them in that exact moment, that moment is lost. That that teachable moment is gone. Um, If you haven't had the opportunity, like if you were in the other room and they had an accident, clean it up. And move along with your day because there is nothing you can do at that point to teach your dog. You have lost that teaching moment. And I mean, if you have a big dog like I do, and again, Marshall hasn't had an accident in a really, really, really long time. But um, even recently, we were at Sniffscape, and with there being so many um, smells and stuff, I was like, Marshall never pees inside. What does he do? Sniffs one of the tunnels, lifts his leg up, goes to Mark, and I just immediately said, ah, ah. And then I like, like gave him a little pop of his collar and they took him right outside and he went pee. You just have to catch it in the moment. And if you do, just let it go. Yep. They're dogs. They're, they're, that's instinctual. Like the marking piece, that is instinctual for male and females. So, um, you know, it's, it is what it is, but if you catch it, perfect. If you don't move on. Um, and I mean, most of the time, if if your dog is an accident inside, it's probably your fault. I hate sorry. to tell you. Sorry, not right? sorry. <laughs> like, but right? Like, were you supervising? Were you, like, were you supervising your dog? Were you watching them? Did they show signs of having to go out? Have you taught them how to signal to you that they need to go out? Have you, Do you take, take them out enough? Exactly. Have you taken them out? Uh, like, it, there's so many different things. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, um, sometimes us humans don't like to blame ourselves, but. I would say most of the time, 99.9% of the time, it is mostly our fault. So Cats, they're a different story. They just pee on things because they're jerks. Uh, <laughs> dogs, a little bit different. Sorry, yeah. cat people. 
<laughs> All right, Ken's hit us with the third one. Oh, this one is really interesting. Don't play tug with your dog or it will become aggressive. Like, what? This is a natural, again, instinct instilled in dogs. Right? And there's a lot of research and literature, and I know this because we dug into it when we were developing Sniffscape, but not only can tugging build confidence, but that interactive play through tugging can strengthen bond between dogs and owners. It's a great way to burn energy. It takes mental stimulation, and they say it can improve their behavior and their mood. So it actually does the opposite. It's also a great reward. In yes. in training, in agility, if your dog isn't food motivated and they are play motivated, that's literally what you do when your dog does something right. You play tug with them because again, like it gets so much energy in them and like expelled and they're like, yes, this is awesome. I want to keep doing this over and over again. So whoever said this, like that <laughs> is just so they're wrong. wrong. You're wrong. And like, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I play tug with Marshall, does he sound terrifying? Absolutely. So does Willa and she's 15 pounds. Like it's, well, a little more like Velociraptory, but like, it's like, it's, it is, that's what they love to do. Oh, well, there you have it. Three terrible pieces of dog advice that are entirely untrue. So let's take a quick break and we're going to come back with more terrible advice time pack. It is now time for a segment that we like to call the Celebrity Pup of the Week. The OG Dog Friendly KW Podcast segment. And just like we did in season six, season seven, we've partnered with Victor Rose Photography, all of our um, celebrity pups of the week. At the end of the season, will be entered into an Instagram contest where they're, they'll face off against each other. And they'll be given the opportunity to potentially win a mini photo shoot with Victor Rose Photography at their studio. So, Kenz, who is this week's Celebrity Pup of the Week? All right, this week we have a avid follower and adorable pup. Um, this dog takes the cutest pictures, and uh, his mom just loves to take him everywhere, which is just super sweet. You've probably seen him across... Uh, Instagram or in in the community at Dog Friendly KW events. This is drumroll, please. 
Louie Sheepadoodle. Louie the Sheepadoodle. So Louie actually recently joined our team. Him and his mom, Christine, have been helping us out at Sniffscape. Louie is such a cute boy and he also goes to pack life. That seems to be one of his favorite activities and he definitely loves to spend lots of time outside based on all these pictures I'm looking at. And he is also very good pals with um, Straw Hat Woofy. So uh, Luffy on our team, they are um, just a cute little doodle crew. Yes, they are. They're just uh, the sweetest gang. And yeah, Louis is just taken over Instagram by storm. So congratulations, Louis Sheepadoodle. You are our celebrity pup of the week. Woof, woof. Welcome back to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast with your hosts, Justine and Mackenzie on Midtown Radio KW. Today, we are unpacking the worst dog advice received by dog owners and woof, some of this advice is absolutely terrible. So bad. And we saved some of the good stuff for the second half here. So buckle up. Oh God, I hate that saying. Oh, it's <laughs> true. Tri- even like that saying. It's triggering. <laughs> Why? I'll tell you later. This perfect. I'm so intrigued. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. So, okay. This one. Punish your dog if they growl. Okay. Okay. I get the premise of this. I get what you're going for. However, <laughs> one user on Reddit said, again, quoting, I've been told not to let my dog growl and to punish her whenever she does. Growling is a dog's language. Her saying she doesn't like something. I'd rather know this warning sign than her go straight to biting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Growling is a warning. No dog. Okay. I lie. Most dogs will growl to say, hey, man, I don't like this. Time to back off. Hey, man, I'm telling you, go away or leave me alone or whatever it is. If your dog didn't growl, yeah, exactly. It would just. It would just skip to the biting part or the nipping part or whatever, and nobody wants that. Right? And I think of, like, a growl in, like, dog language. Like, this is – they're setting a boundary. This is your dog saying what you're doing right now isn't okay. What you're doing right now is making me uncomfortable. It's making me anxious, whatever it is. I want Marshall to growl so that I know if he's anxious or uncomfortable or scared so that I or whoever else is involved in the situation can adjust or back off accordingly before it escalates. That's why dogs growl. It's It's how they communicate. Exactly. It's like your dog just is not – you don't – you want your dog to communicate. You don't want your dog to, you know, just react. And by punishing them, you're saying, don't give me a warning. Yeah. Just just suppress that, and uh, when you get real pissed, just fly off the handle. Yeah, it makes zero sense to me. Um, very interesting. Way to go. This next one is my favorite. This next one is your favorite? All right. Okay, I'll, I'll say it. 
You should be able to stick your hand in your dog's food bowl or take away anything from them at any time. I have received this advice. I did this. So many people say this. Mm-hmm. I did this. This is still so common. Yeah. When Willow was a puppy, I made a conscious effort to literally have my hand in her kibble. She was eating kibble at the time when I first picked her up at eight weeks old. She would eat around my hand. Um, same thing with toys. We we taught her like the the drop it or whatever command I used to use. And um, I, I went through this and she she doesn't have resource guarding issues, but I'm not going to say that that's why. <laughs> right. And this is the thing is when you have a dog like Marshall who showed resource guarding from eight weeks old, there was never a point where we could do this with him in a way that was safe for everybody. Like never. So what we had to do was we had to build trust with him. And building trust does not look like stepping into his space and taking something away from him when he has something valuable. Yeah. It means giving him his own dedicated space where he can eat safely and he knows I'm in my safe space, whether that's on his bed, his place cot, or his crate. He knows this is my space where nobody's going to bug me. And now Marshall and I have got to a place where I can put his food down for him. And if I walk past him and I like brush his foot, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Two years ago, he would have jumped up and growled for sure. But we've built up enough trust that he knows that I'm not – and again, I wouldn't test the theory to see what he would do if I tried to reach for his bowl. But I know that I can be in proximity to him and he trusts me enough to not take his food because I've taught him that I'm not going to take it. However, obviously you need to have the ability to like take things from your dog. So it's about teaching just like you said. You're like drop it command, your leave it command, working on trading things. So instead of just yanking something away from him, I'm going to say, hey, Marshall, I got a treat over here for you. And he's going to come get it. And I'm going to give him the treat. And then I'm going to go get him whatever he was eating. And I'm going to put it away. Yeah, trading is super valuable. Like if if you have a dog that does have resource guarding instincts, then yeah, just give him a treat. And And this is also like a very primitive behavior, right? Because dogs... They didn't – well, dogs, when they descended from wolves, they don't – they didn't eat very often, right? Everything was very scarce. So what they have in that exact moment is all they have. Um, So, yeah, it's just such an interesting sentiment. And I get where people are coming from with it. And, you know, with some really happy-go-lucky passive dogs, sure. Sure, yeah. They'll let you stick their hand – like like Hudson, he doesn't – he'll – sure, stick your hand in his bowl. You, he won't fight you back on that. You but can, that's like a personality thing. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. He just was born like that. So you can't you can't compare, you know, apples to oranges. Um, no two dogs are really going to be the same. But uh, yeah, that one's super interesting. Again, just because I have experienced it. Um, and uh, you can't do that with every dog. All right. Mm-mm. And that's okay. That's like the moral of the story. That's okay if you can't do that with your dog. Okay, these next two are super spicy. Yeah, I love this next one. This one is going to get me all riled up. (laughs) You read it. This is like this is verbatim from a comment on Reddit. You need to let your dog have at least a litter to continue its legacy. I can't even say it with a straight face. 
your dog doesn't need a legacy. Your dog does not know what motherhood is. Guys, your dog does not know what fatherhood is. They are dogs. <laughs> it's so when, wild. When people take human emotion and embed them into dogs, it makes me laugh. Like, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love my dogs very, very much, but I, they don't, they have, yes, capacities in their brains, but like not emotional, maternal ones <laughs> no it's not a thing no at so, all like, i feel like where you could like flip this in like a way that is reasonable is when you're like talking about like breed preservation so like you have a breed that is maybe like going extinct and that dog having a litter is contributing to the preservation of that breed, which I guess you could in turn say is its, it's legacy. Sure. Yeah. Your dog doesn't care. No. If that dog, if that dog never had puppies, it wouldn't honestly care. But for the sake of the breed, we as humans have the ability to keep that breed going by choosing um, well-bred, health-tested sires and dams to continue on that breed's legacy it's not about that particular dog necessarily yes they do have to be a perfect well not perfect but near perfect example of that breed in order to continue it forward that is what you know responsible and ethical breeding is you show your dog you get titles on your dog you say yes my dog is a good example of said breed health test then think about breeding temperament is also very very important there's so many other things involved here your little sassy little Yorkie poo at home does not need to carry on its legacy. That's no, my it definitely doesn't. Yeah. Um, your dog's legacy is their love for you. Aww, yeah. that's I just came up with that. Wow, you should write a book. I probably should. <laughs> Moving along. Okay, this next one also spicy. Okay. There's so many variables of this advice that I couldn't land on one. So we're just going to kind of umbrella it. So X, Y, Z will happen if you neuter or spay your dog too late, too early, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. This one, new information is popping up all the time. Um, Also, a lot of old information is being debunked all the time. Things are always constantly changing. Um, my When people ask me this, because my dogs are intact, they say, oh, aren't you worried that your dog is going to get mammary gland tumors or your dog is going to develop, yeah, exactly, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Yep. I listen to my vet. Um, my vet at this point in time says girls are healthy. Yes, they are going to be spayed. There's no plan on breeding them. Let me make that very clear. But there is, I have listened to my vet. They have said, all is good. Dogs are healthy. No issues. No worries. Cool. And I think it is so individual based on breed and size and temperament. Like there's so many factors that ultimately listen to your vet. Your vet knows your dog. If you're taking your dog to the vet when they're a puppy, like they know your dog. Listen to your vet. There's just 
there's not enough literature or research out there to quantify a lot of the information that people spew about when is the best time to spay and neuter. And I did a lot of online digging through like academic literature when I was deciding when to spay Marshall, spay, (laughs) neuter Marshall. Um, And there is no research on mixed breeds. It's all on very specific pure breeds. So what does that mean for a, a mutt like Marshall? I don't know. Like I really don't know. And so many of the studies are inconclusive. So the recommendation from both our trainer and our vet was because of his resource guarding and his temperament was to neuter him early at six months, which a lot of people would disagree with because he's a large breed. So, but he's a pet. So it's not like he needs to grow up and be this big, full bodied testosterone bounding, you know, dog. Yes, he is like no matter what, if you spay too early or neuter too early or spay or neuter too late, again, yeah, there's always going to be something out there that says pros and cons for both, honestly. At the end of the day, listen to the pet professionals in your circle, trainers, vets. Listen to their advice. They know your dog. They know your circumstances, and they'll be able to guide you in the best way possible. Yeah. Well, all right. There you have it. Loads of terrible dog advice that no one should ever be giving to another dog owner. Uh, We are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast, and today we've been talking about the worst advice people receive as dog owners. So we're now going to share the worst advice we've ever received. So, Mackenzie, are you ready to go first? I am. My Mine would be, I have a few, but I think the one that tops it would be to Aladar used she still is fairly anxious and fearful, but she used to be really bad. And the advice I received was to overexpose her to everything, like overexpose her to everything. So literally go stand on the busiest street in downtown Kitchener and just stand there and let her take it all in. I would say that really, I did it. I did do it. And it did not help. If, if anything, actually, every time I put her on a leash and we walked outside, because I used to live downtown Kitchener, she would already know what was coming for her and be nervous before we even left the building. Because you were working over her threshold, right? Yep. Dogs have a threshold and we have to work under it and we have to build up to it. So yeah, that is terrible advice. Yeah, so that one that one was a, a doozy. Thankfully, we were able to take a step back. We recognized it. Um, so Aladar and I, I recognized it, and we were able to take a step back, go into more comfortable situations, i.e. sitting on TWB's patio and letting her ex- take it all in rather than standing downtown 
letting her freak out for 10 minutes. Not helpful. So anyway, let's turn this around. Justine, your turn. What's the worst? Hot take. People are going to love this. The worst advice I've ever received is that the prong collar will hurt or harm my dog. Um, Entirely untrue. Uh, Since switching Marshall to the prong collar, it's been at least two – it's been two full years now, I think, that he's been using the prong as a tool. It was a game changer for us. And when you look at the comparisons, so the options outside of the prong collar for me before that were a martingale. On a martingale, Marshall is not going to understand what I'm trying to communicate to him and he's just going to choke himself the whole time. That is harmful and very uncomfortable. Second option was a slip lead. We had him on a slip lead for a really long time. He pulled through the pressure. It didn't work for him. So it was wearing down the the fur on his nose and it was like making his nose tender. That's not fair to him. That's harmful. The prong, he responds to it. He understands it. That said, with any tool, you have to properly condition it. I didn't slap it on him and take him outside into a high stimulating environment. One day we spent a really long time working indoors and getting him comfortable with the tool, getting him conditioned, making sure he understood what the tool meant and making sure that it was comfortable for him. It was sized correctly. It wasn't too loose. If you wear prong collar too loose, you can definitely cause damage. But to have this blanket statement that using a prong is going to be damaging for your dog is entirely untrue because if anything, using a prong has been beneficial to Marshall's quality of life. It's allowed us to do really fun things with him that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So that is definitely the worst advice I've ever received. Yeah, and look at him now. He's a good boy. He is. He is. He's taking the world by storm. All right. Well, next time you receive advice from someone, take it with a grain of salt. You know your pup best and trust that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in today to the Dog Friendly KW Podcast. Till next time. Tell your father A Block Sheep Audio Production.